Man, y'all know the face, y'all know the name, y'all tuned into the world's greatest podcast. No, I don't just say this because it looks cool on shirts. No, I just don't say this because I've said it at least 50 to 60 times now. I'm saying this because this is facts. You can Google it. You could do a lot of different things, but I'm telling you the one thing that's going to stay consistent, this is the world's greatest podcast. Hosted by yours truly, Mr. It's the Movie, Cleas Real Talk. I got some special guests with me. I do not introduce people. I think it's lackluster and unimpressive. So guests, please introduce yourselves. Compton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If they know, they know. Nija, you know who it is. Mm-hmm. How are you both doing today? We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing all right. So we, we could Bless. take this in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to ask you, what do you want to entitle this episode today? Anti-blackness in Staten Island schools. Mm, that sounds like a dissertation to me. PhD oh, pending? It's coming out. Coming out? It's coming out, though. Okay, okay. It's a okay. preview, the uncut version, because the other one going to be lots of research, but this is the uncut version. Is this kind of like anti-Semitism for us, or we don't allowed to talk about that? I want you to make it in life, but I, I'm just asking, cause this is the world's greatest podcast. Are we allowed to talk about stuff like that, or are we leaving that alone for the, for Nick Cannon and them to fight that battle? Look, we're going to let them fight that battle, because they they're getting more money than us on that, so... Right. I mean Hashtag Repair with reparations <laughs> But I, I heard that Even North the reparations hmm? North Carolina There's a town that, That's just passed that For the um For the what, city mm-hmm. That they're gonna be Giving out reparations For um Descendants of Slaves They said all black people All black All black people I'm not buying Forex With my reparations <laughs> By the way uh, Diversify your portfolio <laughs> <laughs> But I feel you. I feel you. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to talk about it. Cause I, and I'll just talk about it because I don't really, you know, at this point in my life, I, do what you do. Like, I, I lived a good life. I think I made enough impact, whatever. I, I feel bad about what Nick Cannon's situation is. I don't believe what he said was wrong. I do believe there was some truth in it. But the way in which that he uh, communicated it wasn't all the way factual. And I also feel like, you have to be mindful of your positioning in terms of the companies you work for. If it's something you're going to speak on, then speak on it and represent that all the way through in your personal conversations. But if you're going to go out on a limb and make a statement, then you got to live and die by that statement. Mm-hmm. Like um, Colin Kaepernick. Like Colin Kaepernick did. Even though even he kind of doubled back a little bit too, though. But still, if you're going to go into that situation, you got to go into that situation knowing that that's what you're going to die on. And that's what you wanted to be remembered for. And I don't think, I think that's my only little just, and then in terms of anti-Semitism, I respect my Jewish peoples. I do believe that the struggles are different. And I do believe that the way that it was handled is different. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that complexion protection works in their favor. Yep. I do believe they also have had enough unity in their spaces to be able to pull themselves by the bootstraps that they love trying to not them specifically but uh, uh, America likes to put on black people oh pull yourself by the bootstraps make it happen when in reality the trauma is completely different and you speaking up on the behalf of black people in your group chats is not the same as you going to war with black people and that's where the problems come but yo to each zone y'all had a holocaust we still going through slavery yeah, that's how I look at it. Y'all had the Holocaust. We're still going through slavery. Mm-hmm. Yes, the trauma of losing your aunts and uncles is what it is, and it's I'm never. It's very detrimental. It's very traumatic. But 
I don't know if yes, you mentally have to feel the deal with the fact that yo, your aunt and uncles aren't there, but you don't have to deal with every day being constantly oppressed. In in spite of everything that you've done. Yeah, because like you said, we stay on slavery because with the 13th Amendment, once you commit a crime and you're convicted of a crime, you voluntarily serve it to. So you go back into slavery. And a crime could be anything like not register, like just anything. It, anything. It, it could be anything that a cop wants to put on you. I, I seen a video of a black man in Vegas that was basically um, misrecognized. And they were like, hey, no, you're this criminal that we know of. And he's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. And they were like, well, we're saying you are this and that's what you are. And then he was like, you know what? You guys are dumb. I'm going to prove it. And then he was handcuffed. He's like, go in my pocket, look at my wallet. And he had an FBI uh, badge. Got him. Card. So he was like, you guys were going to arrest me, put this on me, mess up my record, put me in a bad situation, all because of what you think I am, not because you actually have factual information to back that up. Mm. So if you think about what that's like, and he had, you know, he had his There's FBI buddies yeah. with him that that could va- validate that, and he had the video and everything. But imagine how many times people don't got videos. Imagine how many times people aren't in the FBI and still are innocent. So now you think committing a crime, and now you are now a what a legal slave yeah. because of someone thinking that you are who you who they think you are, mm-hmm. not actually being that, right? And all in ties because they work police officers, they work with the prosecutors because you know they have to make sure that everything stick, that the crime stick, or which the person they can be convicted of, that to make sure that stick. And then in turn with the prosecutors, they gotta sit with the judge and make sure that. Everything was followed, make sure the due process was met. So everybody works hand in hand all the way up to the judge who makes the sentence. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to step on anybody's toes. Nope. Mm-hmm. So if everyone's trying to get paid, everyone going to be at the same dinner parties. Everybody's friendly. Everybody. This is just like us. You the judge, I'm the prosecutor, and he's the, he's the public defender. Like we all sit here together. And I could text you like, bro, what you really think about this? And I'm like, man, he really ain't looking too good right now. You gonna have to pull something. Yeah. Now this person's life is now dangled in the trenches for what? Mm-hmm. Because of how you feel? Because of a quota system? Because of politics? Because of money? Because of power? Because of whatever you want it to be? And this is our America. Yep. I don't think everyone here knows who you guys are, so I'm gonna let y'all introduce yourself, man. We already got a DB, man. The vibes is already different. Shout out, shout out to Compton and and, 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 and Nigel, man. The Lavender Javison going crazy. This is not a sponsored event. Not at all. At all. Unless y'all want to throw us the bread, Jameson, we can text. We can text. But um, no, definitely introduce yourselves. What do you guys do? Where are you guys at in life? How do you guys know each other, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Got ladies first. Oh, ladies first. Um, So I would like to call myself an activist. Um, I'm an educator, longtime Staten Island resident, um, really in the works of dismantling this system. Wait, wait, wait. Quick question. What is an educator? Ooh, what is an educator? Um, Somebody who educates. It doesn't 
doesn't even have to be the youth. It could be anybody, really, um, on subjects where you might be ignorant in. And um, a lot of people have been telling me, you know, be careful what you say. You know, the DOE, the big bureaucracy is, is right there. You can't try to say everything. But I am not tied to one thing, one school system. Um, but as an educator, I think it's really important that we continue to um, uplift and enlighten the next generation, the current generation, and the past generation about what is going on. And that's exactly why I'm here. So that's me. Hmm. We're gonna come back. I got some talk. I got some questions for you <laughs> and my brother, man. I think we go. Oh, I go back. I go way back with both of you guys in two different arenas of my life. One mm-hmm. football. One is just parties, vibes outside. <laughs> All the walks, the breast cancer walk. But we are gonna get there, my brother. Compton, full time student. Um, took a break off. Shouldn't have take breaks. If you're listening and you in school, do not take no breaks. Please don't take no breaks because it is rough getting back into school. It is rough. Um, going back to pursue my JD so I can make changes. It's all good and dandy when we putting posts online or you know we doing these walking these protests. But if policies are not being changed and if the higher-ups don't actually get these one-on-one talks and their minds don't change. We're really not doing anything. We're just throwing rocks at a at a glass house. We're not really doing anything. So I need to get my JD and make some changes, you know, shake the laws up, you know, shake the government up a little shake bit. Shake it up. <laughs> Are you about to shake the room? <laughs> shake the system. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Okay, so... My first question is, what is truth? Because I think coming from an educator and a, a soon-to-be lawyer, I think the concept of truth is very, very, very unique. And it's not as universal as I think it should be. Because we've been taught in society that the truth is what's been taught to us. Mm-hmm. When in reality, there's a whole other truth that kind of has been buried underneath you know, fake patriotism and nationalism that isn't truth because at the end of the day it might be a half truth to some people but in the majority of what it means to be an american in the mixing pot it's not the truth it is it's their way of making themselves feel comfortable with the way that they've treated people and how they've rose to the to power mm-hmm. so what is truth what is your what is your definition of truth how do you, how do you define truth what is truth truth what is truth I think truth, in a way, sometimes will have to do with culture and upbringing. I say that because everybody' reality is different. You know, we can all look at the same picture, but our backgrounds and exactly what got us to that point where we our paths meet, you know, it may show us a different picture, like. For instance, like the firefighter test, right? A lot of people say that that was, what did you say? Um, it was racially biased. It's racially biased because when you go for city tests, they don't ask you specifically about the job, what you're taking the test for. But, you know, the test will ask questions as far as, you know, they would give you um, a pool, 
and it would say um, pool in the backyard, somebody's backyard. And how would you assemble the pool? What are some of the tools you would use to assemble this pool? So you have, um, I would say, a white person. We'll see you stand now. Somebody on the South Shore. Yeah, because in Arlington, we ain't got no pools. The <laughs> harbor, I don't know a lot of folk with pools. Okay, so yeah, so, so we got somebody in the South Shore, right? They have more mostly backyards over on that side. They would have a pool. So they would be more inclined to knowing how to assemble a pool, to assemble a pool, and what tools to use in order to keep that pool running and, you know, with the, the filtering. And then you come to the North Shore where most of our pools are either um, by Cromwell. Yeah, we're not assembling it. We have the people that work for the parks that do that. So we're both... We both came to this firefighter test in order to better ourselves. But our truths and our lines are blurred. Or our culture just showed differently. Like, we don't know how to assemble a pool or anything. We don't know anything about a backyard pool. We don't know anything about backyards. I mean, if, if you was to ask me how do you assemble a pool, I'm going to be like, put some air in the <laughs> kiddie pool and then go get you some pots to throw the water in there. That's it. When in reality, there's folks that have the luxuries. The privilege. The privileges. That's a better word. I was trying to, you know, but the, the privilege of being able to afford a space with a pool with parents that have the time or people who have the time to assemble a pool or with relationships to people who can get you a pool, who can maintain a pool and upkeep a pool. Even a space to do it. Space. Can't put a, a pool on your apartment deck. I can't put a pool in my kitchen. <laughs> I promise you, my mama not gonna eat there. I get it. I get it. And 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 yeah. So I was saying, you know, the truth would be, you know. Oh, so my truth is, everybody I know, I may want to see. I may want to Farrell. I may want to Tomville. Where the truth is, I can go to my friend's house and we all can go to the pool. But over here, <laughs> on the North Shore, majority of us don't know how to swim. So there's no need for a pool. So the truth would be like, why would I know how to assemble a pool? Why would I know how to do a filter or anything? Why does that matter? So we're both looking at a pool, but I know I went off topic. I have a problem with going off topic, but I, I just say <laughs> I, like- I get what you're saying though. It's basically saying that why, my truth would be, why does this even matter when in reality, I have not been exposed to building a pool? Exactly. Because based on my circumstances, a pool is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Or based on my circumstances, I have never needed to build a pool. Yes. And if you judge, there's, there's a picture that I used to post. If you judge a monkey by its ability to swim and not climb a tree, is he an idiot? Mm. I forgot who said that. Oh, is that just not that's that's just not his truth? But I think that, you know, when we talk about truth, you know, me being an educator going back into school, we we teach our students and we teach our kids and we teach everybody facts and fiction. Right. So facts is what is true and fiction is what is fake. But when we look at a whole different picture, kind of bouncing off of what you said, um, it's no longer what's fact and what's fiction. It's what I perceive it to be. If I'm looking at a picture and I see a sunset, that's my truth. I see this sunset and it's giving me peace. But somebody might look at that picture and say, that looks like a uh, fire 
and it's giving me distress. My truth is the distress. Their truth is the distress and my truth is the peace. It's what I feel deeper than what is on the surface. Mm -hmm. And I really think that when we start talking about race relations, a lot of people are using their own truths instead of really looking at the real fact of the matter of what's going on. So some people might have listened to what Compton talking about a pool and be like, well, you know, I had a pool or I didn't have a pool. Like my what's the my pool kept me cool all summer, but now we in COVID and the pools are closed. Now what are we doing? Or they'd be like, well, is it my fault that I was blessed with a pool and your fault that you never had access to a pool? And that's the number one thing. We don't real and and that number one thing you said was access, and that's why I'm titling this anti-blackness in Staten Island schools because it was always a North Shore versus South Shore thing because we didn't have that access. As well as the fact that a majority of black people on Staten Island do live on the North Shore, even though if you listen to the OG in in education, my OG Debbie and Paige, yes, a majority Debbie of black, Paige, there was a time give her yes. where a lot of us was on that side because we either worked in those spaces where they were mostly farms we either had land over there we either we just occupied a lot of those spaces and she said something to me that's super profound whenever there was whiteness in America there was you, blackness so yep. how could you be pro one anti the other and and, and, and let me say this what a lot of people a lot of white people understand is pro black is not anti everything mm-hmm. just because you have you're proud to be black, you know, from the struggles and just being dealt this hand of being looked at and wow, you're lazy, you're violent, you're dumb, you're only athletic, that's only athletic or artistic. That's that's why you're going to make some type of money or contribution to this world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, man! Like, there's not a monolith to blackness, and and I don't mean to cut you off, but that's just what I've learned is privilege is being able to not realize or recognize or understand or having to even put in perspective nuance. Mm-mm. If yeah. I say like, yo. Outside is light outside And that's fact And all my people Who look like me From where I'm from Say yo it's outside right now It's light right now And that's going to be The dominant Opinion Or the dominant The dominant decision Of what outside is right now You look like you're foolish For saying that right now It's dark outside mm-hmm. And and that's what it is It's privilege and, and it's also Like I said It's dominant opinion It's not fact it's being able to say that when we all come together and we make a decision, this is the decision. Mm. Without taking in any consideration of nuance, without taking into consideration anybody else's perspectives, histories, um, without taking into consideration anything that has to do with anything that opposes what we've learned as truth. Yep. And that's what we that's what we deal with every day. It's really as simple as that. It's saying that, yo, your opinion doesn't matter because it's an opinion. My opinion matters because it's fact. Because that's my truth. My truth is the fact. And <laughs> your, your truth? truth is opinion. It's fiction. It, it's hearsay. Because one thing about, 
you know, what I've learned about with anti-blackness that I've seen is that it's crazy how they can generalize us and say we're all one thing Mm -hmm. and we all move this way or our missions that may state one thing is now reflective of another thing that might be negative, but we can't do the same for them. We can't say Blue Lives Matter is synonymous to, to KKK and other discriminations fa- faced by black people. We can't say that. We can't say that, you know, that, um, that I don't know, we can't say that the electoral college is super racist because at the end of the day, it doesn't represent the majority of people who really feel how they feel within those states. Mm-hmm. That there's people that just pick and choose on their behalf of their state. And that's messed up because probably if you look at those spaces, a lot of those spaces don't have us in it. Nope. We can't say that a lot of the murders that happen in Chicago are results of trauma that's been created years prior to all the things. No, that doesn't happen. That's just Black Lives Matter. You say Black Lives Matter, but why are you guys shooting each other? Well, when the mafia is killing each other, we can't say that's white on white crime, can we? I always say that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is the America we live in. So it's like, why is it the truth that they put on us is fact, but the proofs that we put on them is, oh, you're race baiting. You're they're being divisive. That's their new. That's the new thing. We're being divisive. (laughs) If that's not anti-blackness, I don't know what is. So, I guess we we can transition to the next statement because I know that you're an educator and you work for DOE. What is that like for you being a black woman in the positions and the spaces that you're in? Because I know a lot of educators and a lot of my teachers were never black. Yeah. I can test to that. How many black teachers have y'all had in your lives? At high school. We're talking about, we're talking about just anti-black in the New York City schools. Shout out to Mrs. Diamond. May she forever rest in paradise. Very first black teacher that I've ever had, and that was fifth grade. Um, she was super rough <laughs> on us. Um, Khalil can attest to that. Shout out to Khalil. Um, and Josh, shout out to Josh also. Um, and I didn't understand why. I didn't understand why she was so aggressive with making sure that we know how valued we were. Um, because no teacher ever said that. It was just like, here you go, you know, you you can do what you want. But she was like, yeah, you could do what you want, but it starts here. What are you gonna do now to change how you change the whole projection of your future? And that was the very first black teacher I had. And I was like, wow, I want more of this. And then as I kind of trailed through my way of school, I noticed that it became less and less and less. You um, from Brooklyn, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm saying, and <laughs> in public schools, mm. I had I'm trying to see. I would say only Auntie Lloyd. Auntie Lloyd. Um, a lot of people from Port Richmond know her as Miss Lloyd, but we call her Auntie Lloyd. Shout out to Miss Lloyd. Yeah, Auntie Lloyd. She instilled in us. I had a my senior year in high school, and I couldn't understand up until maybe two years ago. I couldn't understand on as to why she was so hard on the black students in her class, on why she, like a 75, that's passing. Like, that's good. 75 to her, like. You're not she, even trying. Yeah, like she was mad as my mom when I got a 75 in her class. Like, yo, like you could do much more. And it was just her trying to, 
at an early stage let me understand that yo you we can't just be average mm. the world is counting on us to be average as black people they count us to be average they count on us to you know just take regular jobs and not make any changes in this world they want us to just sit back and just take whatever is given to us and she was very hard on us to let us understand like yo you are worth something like your blackness means something don't let nobody tell you different and auntie lloyd like like i said with her two years ago i'm out of high school what eight years mm. yeah, i don't know six years after Since high school a wow yeah it's like wow like i don't understand I want to shout out Miss Ross IS51 If you know you know uh, I want to say she was my Either 7th or 8th grade science teacher Man what Miss Ross is getting me tight Because I knew that we all Didn't understand the science that she was teaching But not because she didn't understand it It was because the science To teach science it's just tough. Mm. I, I, shout out to those who are out there teaching the STEMs, but to teach science. Christine, shout out to you because she's teaching science. That joint is different because that's <laughs> not a language that we speak where we're from. Like one of my biggest things, even in college when I was pursuing physical therapy, I was like, I don't know if I could have a conversation about this. And that's why I couldn't get my mind to cross through. I'm like, I can't talk about science with my homies and mm. really feel like we're, we're really moving things forward. But the world moves on science. They move on STEM. So shout out to Miss Ross. I appreciate you. You know, I think she's retiring this year. I think if she didn't, she retired this year. I'm going to have to big her up something special for her retirement. But mm. yeah, that was my first <laughs> real black teacher. I mean, luckily I was blessed and I, and I never gave my parents the flowers that they deserve for it. But I was in the STEP program. The science technology entry program with uh, Deborah Evans and you know Mr. McMillan and all these beautiful black teachers that either were volunteering their time on Saturdays to really teach us. And I had people that were black that looked like me that was really stressing me out on Saturdays <laughs> over science and technology and engineering and math and really was really showing me that, yo, you got to be 10 times greater, not even twice you gotta be exceptional You have to be immaculate It's not even exceptional You have to be immaculate You have to be spotless And if you have a spot You have to be willing to die By your spots mm -hmm. Your spots is your edge And your edge is gonna help you Propel you even further If you don't even have edges Then you just have to be Just, just good yeah. You have to be so good And it to me it's like Wow Like a master's Is a bachelor's to everybody else Nowadays it's like a high school Diploma for a lot of folk Who don't mm -hmm. look like us mm -hmm. I, I know Working at certain organizations that on Staten Island, especially, we're gonna to touch. This is gonna to be a good way to touch the topic. But even in certain organizations that I've worked alongside it while I was here, I've noticed that the people who even speak to me or the people who will be hiring me, you know, that don't look like me, they don't. They look at my resume and be like, "Wow, wow, you're you're further ahead than I am." And I'm sitting here like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's it. And we're always just doing what we're supposed to do and what we need to do. And I think that we need to start thinking about the narrative that we all just shared about when we had that black teacher, how hard they were on us and how we didn't even understand why. And we probably was like, damn, that teacher's getting us tight. Like we just wanna get through. And they was of course teaching us it's more than just needing to get through. 
And, you know, shout out to the Black Educators of Staten Island. We're a tight, woven group. And we talk about these things. And, you know, Tanisha, shout out to Tanisha. I'm tired of doing shout outs. But but shout out to Tanisha, um, who holds the UFT and the DOE down. Um, she said something in our last meeting that really stuck out to me and I really started to think about it. And it was that we need to understand how we are also a part of the oppression of our black and brown students and how we need to recognize that um, and then figure out how we can continue to dismantle that oppression and how we can no longer sit in in the background and sit in those in those cafeterias and the teachers cafeterias and and let them just say whatever they wanted to say but to speak up and to speak out and to be those cultivators of new curriculum and um you know i think on set island is so different it, i worked in brooklyn i worked in bed-stuy and i i at first i was like whoa this this is different like coming from Staten Island where if you had a black teacher you was like whoa is this a unicorn <laughs> who is this oh shit I got a sister in here hi how you doing I'm gonna talk to you at the class uh, hey yeah that's how it felt but when you go when I was in Bed-Stuy everybody was black so what was the difference it was more nurturing the environment felt like I was in the print like it was just auntie like this is my aunties and uncles and even the two white teachers that they had was allies to the <laughs> to the bone. Like people say they allies, mm. but they was allies, allies. Like they was doing more than what we was doing. Gotta be a teacher. Every ally is a teacher. The white teacher. Gotta Have be to. Well, on Staten Island, we know that that's not true. Well, uh, <laughs> actually, I actually want. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to throw this one to you, Compton. Um, you play. I know you because we played against each other on the field. We went to war against each other. Uh, if you know, you know. I'm a Wagner Falcon. You are a uh, Red Raider. Well, you, you know. know. To the day I die. All right, to whatever. That's I cool, die. no. But um, <laughs> I, I've I, I've known you because of, like I said, I've respected you on the field, but I also respect you off the field just because Likewise. I I know just the work that you put in and the talent that you had. And one of my biggest gripes about Staten Island football has been that with how talented a lot of our black athletes are on Staten Island, a lot of them don't go nowhere. And I'm not talking about like, even our best player, if they don't go D1 or D2, they can definitely get funding for D3. Mm -hmm. If they don't go D3, there's definitely JUCO opportunities. If they don't go JUCO, there's opportunities from play overseas. It's not like these dudes that are Killing the PSAO. When I say killing, like your top five to ten players in PSAO are all black. Maybe one dude that's either Russian or quarterback somewhere uh, or an old lineman. She but, said, man, she's, <laughs> <laughs> but some school that you ain't even know. He just mm -hmm. doing numbers because his schedule was light this year. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about like for real, for real. Like I'm talking about the best of the best of Staten Island. They come in, they are these these black kids, and I got we're gonna give Tottenville their roses. They have probably the best infrastructure and program for athletes to kind of be great. Like if you go to Tottenville, you're going to get looks because their weight rooms look like Olympic D1 weight rooms. Their their weightlifting coaches are 
really on staff legit to make sure that they're really gonna get Gucci. They have, you know, it's a different kind of vibe. But then these athletes that come out of these these programs and they're going to the finals every year, they're going to the semis every year, but then what happens to their stars? I'm going nowhere. And that goes this that just goes to show, you know, like I was saying earlier, like if you're not an athlete, what contribution you're gonna be? And then what Nigel was just saying, where as far as like the educators, like if the top players are black, and like you ask, why they're not in school? Why they're not getting even a type of funding? That goes to show their grades. So we have the talent, definitely. Mm-hmm. But who's in the where in the classroom? Way more than we're on the field. So where are these teachers who are supposed to be guiding these kids? Because they they are kids. I'll, I'll guiding these a, kids in, in in these right directions. I'll take it a step further. If not. Where these teachers Who is allowing these teachers To overlook the importance of education In their spaces <laughs> Because my, my issue is Bro Listen Staten Island football Is Wait ki- Since we talking about Staten Island football um, Can we just make sure that we have just A, a small moment of silence for Trey mm. Amen. Rest in peace Yeah, man, it's tough out here. Nah, Trey was a good dude, man. Trey, Trey would definitely be missed. That's tough. It's tough out here, and for me, it's like a lot of coaches in this in this in this borough. They're gonna go down as legends because they have winning programs. But you you really look at their records. Yeah, they might have been winning on the field, but when it came down to taking this, to taking these young men that they were around. And cultivating to go to war on the field, they wasn't really preparing them for life as they should have. They wasn't preparing them for the next level like they should have. And I, I feel like that's very, very to me, it's very selfish and very telling of what Staten Island is. White guys at the top of these positions in sports, winning for their own gain, for these for these young black men to get their hopes up and prepare and go through all this hell for them not to go nowhere. Yeah, because you got, you got all these Staten Island legends who were being after high school. They play for, what, like four or five different colleges and still don't have a bachelor's? Like, how? Like, where was the foundation of education at? Like, like as a coach, you guys have to take on, like, that, that father role or that big brother role. And it's like, you know, if you let me get by and you talking to the teachers to let the teachers let me get by, you know, you just set me up for failure. And you got these legends who just come back and, like you, like you said earlier, like just live trying to live school. their glory there. Live live high school. But even deeper, I mean, I, this is uncut, right? I was the manager <laughs> of, of Port Richmond's football yeah. team. And I can tell you education was not in the forefront. At all. And if they needed something to be done, <laughs> it was gonna get done. It was gonna get done. So I think that even in a deeper role, we talking about why they didn't go far. It's it's way deeper than that. Like when we talk about anti-blackness in schools, especially on Staten Island, 
the only value black bodies have is in sports. They aren't trying to say, oh, make sure you go, when you go to a good college, you choose a major that (laughs) is going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. So just in case football doesn't work out, you have something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to push the football players into STEM programs because they know tech is number one. And even if they are, they only fill in those classes because it looks good. But they sometimes they're not even going, but they get in their attendance taken just to say they were there. So it runs way deep. I, I used to be in Port, like, Port was my last name. Well, <laughs> It will be my last name, right? Richmond. But um, <laughs> like like Port was my name. And the emphasis for athletes was slim to none. I worked at Curtis. Hmm. You got a lot of legends that came out of Curtis, but a lot of them still in the streets. <laughs> but it's like, how do we, you know, even going back to educators, I consistently, I wasn't even a teacher yet. And I would tell my football players, like, you're a student before you're an athlete. We filling out NCAA, and there's, like, you only have a 70? Everybody has a 70. What do you have that's different? And they need, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I've also worked in the D1 program system. I've worked with UB's women's basketball. I've worked along with... Men's basketball have a lot of brothers that were, that played on a football team D one from all over the world, and yeah, there's some dudes that really academically wasn't great, but D one athletes bar none have the most support academically and usually have the highest grades of the entire university because they have study hall, they have study hours, they have personal tutors, they get like you, and then on top of that, a lot of the seats on the team. Go to kids that's going to raise the academic profile anyway. Because these are top schools, but that's not what they say. D1 is top of the top. Why should I, if I'm Duke, uh, why would I accept somebody with a 70? And that's a top. These schools are like straight after Ivy League. You look at all these schools and look at their stats, look at their grades, look at their retention, everything. Look at their networks. Oh, the networks are even higher. I mean, and but they're not. We're not taught that. It's like, oh, you go to D one, you go to D three, you play football. Oh, you can get it. But that, but me going D two and D three and majoring in sports management. What am I doing? Or or you going? <laughs> there's there's brothers that went D one to go through basket weaving, walking and breathing. <laughs> That's what we used to joke about. Like there's dudes that really went just to be breathing and walking. As their as their degree, because and they was able to get through though, because they just want to go to the league, and what a lot of people don't really tell you is that the league only taking like what I think it's like one percent of all. Like you gotta be a top one percenter in everything you do to get to the highest level. You go get a PhD. There's only one point two percent of black men with PhDs. But I think from high school, it's like nine million football players. Then in college, it's about six million and then no no I'm so I'm sorry. I think it's it go from six million to three million and then in the NFL it's like a couple thousand. So the chances just get slimmer, 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 and slimmer, slimmer and slimmer. But we talking about college, let's go even like four years before you step on a college campus. 
you know, you have these parents who have their children and these little league teams and you have these coaches come to them and, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to make sure I have the best interest for your child. And these parents who taking these coaches on every word, they're living on every last word of these coaches. And the parents kind of get lost in the source with the children because they're thinking that everything is going to be taken care of because they sold the dream too. You know, as long as they passing, if they passing, they can play. If they playing and they winning, they got to get a scholarship, right? But they don't know that, you know, there are certain credits that has to be taken in order to get qualified for certain levels on in, 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 in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Parents don't know that. Parents don't know that, you know, a certain GPA has to be had in order to start be looked at or even talked to. Because I had coaches come and talk to me in the lunchroom. And then by the time they left, I'm talking to my coach. I'm like, yo, what coach say? He said, he saw your, your transcript, man. <laughs> and that was it. I ain't hear from him ever again. But I'm one of the kids who come from a good home. But, you know, I was told in that dream that my coach going to take care of everything. As long as we went in. I'm going to get a scholarship. I and mean, that wasn't what it really was. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a mind. And I'm bigger than just what I can do on the field. Maybe I can produce it other ways. A lot of my friends couldn't or can't. and Or didn't want to. Yeah. Because there was a bunch of them who I helped who just didn't want to. I mean, that trauma... I think, and that's the thing, right? So even, okay, so let's dig. Now we about to dig into DOE, let's go there. right? Let's go there. So he talking about four years before, so that's freshman year. Let's dig In even deeper, right? So, <laughs> so, so even deeper, right? So we both went to 61. And let me just say that 61, um, y'all disappointed me. The teachers is disappointed me. The teachers who I really admired and loved disappointing me to the fullest. Um, I'm going to just take y'all to 61 for a little bit. We had highest honors, honors, average, below average, and the ENL, which would now be, which would have been the Mexican class. Um, no offense, I love my Mexican brothers and sisters, but that's kind of how they had them. And when we looked at who was in the highest honors, what did you have? Mostly white. When you looked at the honors, it was mostly white. Then when you got into the average, it was kind of diverse, but it was mostly black. Below average, all black. That's where all the New Brighton kids used to be. <laughs> all of them. I'm going to lie to you. I'll take it a step further. <laughs> when I was at Wagner, right, I was I was doing, you know me, I was, I, was, I was doing what I needed to do academically, but I was also doing stuff in athletics, but I was also a very, like, well diverse. I really felt like when I came to Wagner, I had not so much a plan, but I had this, like, mentality that I'm gonna just try to do everything as much as I can right and I want to say it was my junior year or at least my senior it was, it was in between like my, my final years and I spoke with I think it was the PTA coordinator and the principal and they want that their issue was that the 
majority of the people not graduating or the majority of the seniors not graduating were black men. Like, our graduating class was supposed to be like 1,000. It was 900. And like the 100 people who weren't, they said like 80% of them were black men. So I came up with a whole program curriculum. Like, I had a whole proposal. Like, I sat in my house, and that just really upset me. Because at that time, I was, I was the prototypical black guy that they would try to throw in every plate, everyone's face as, this is, the, this is the standard that we have at Wagner. This is the kind of work. So, so you, was, I was the you was me. I was the token. You was me at Port, but the male version at Wagner. I was the token. I was the funding I was the I was the I was the person that was going to solidify, you know, these white people to give the grant money. Cause you look at him and they're like, "Yo, he's from where? And he's doing this? And he's doing that? And he wears a bow tie? And he's well spoken? And his grades are well? And he has the opportunity to go here? And this is what white is producing? We have th- their system works. Not knowing that it's not that the system works. My parent works. God works." The people Giving around honor me. to the God who's added my lives. Come yep. on. The people around me work. And what? And I had a program. I created this whole proposal. I'm like, this is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to make sure that we get them in good positions. We're going to make them do volunteer work and all these different things to basically help them offset because you need this volunteer credit to graduate anyway. I had the whole thing laid out. Tell me why they lost the proposal. <laughs> they, they, they reached out to me, I think, a year later about it. Couldn't find it. Um, and all them black bodies... Still didn't graduate And I'm sitting here like This whole concept of us really being serious About educating our students And really helping us It's, it's, it's cap And not so much for me But from, from a lot of our educators And the system in place Like I said I always ask the question Like shout out to my OG Mike Williams Like how do you like your racism? Do you want a hybrid form like the DOE? Mm. You know well that's why they That's why Tanisha said what she said And even when you look at it in that form, you know, that I always talk about. So I got to port because we we speed in past 61. We can cut that out. Mm -hmm. But I got to port and I was in culinary and I realized I don't like culinary that much. Everybody know how to cook naturally if you got a black mom at the crib. <laughs> so I said, I don't want to be in culinary. Let me go to med tech. <laughs> right? Let me go to med tech. And then I found out my best friend, Akila, she was taking honors classes. Shout out to Akila. And AP classes. And I was like, what is that? Mm, exposure. And... I was like, why does it have a star next to it? What does that mean? And she's like, oh, it's weighted. I said, it's weighted? What do you mean? She's like, you know, because so-and-so, we'll leave their name out, has 110 average. I said, but how if it's 100? She said, oh, no, it's all weighted because we're in honors. So I said, I went to my guidance counselor. I said, look, Miss Delaney, I want to be in honors. Put me in the AP classes. Put me in all of that because I want it. And she was like, wait a minute. Just slow down. I said, well, how can I be in AP? She's like, well, you can only be in AP if you're in honors. You can only take honors classes if you're in honors. I said, hmm. So how do I get into the honors program? She was like, well, we can try. If you just do your best this semester, we can try to get you an honors. I said, all right, bet. Did what I had to do. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Put me in honors. Got to honors. It was like a whole new universe. Free SAT prep. Mm. <laughs> Free STEM after school programs. Mm. 
free internships if you want to do some internships and pop up at the medical examiner's office or somebody's law firm. I was getting 70s in English, but it was really weighted for 85. But then when I talked to Compton, he's like he was getting 90s and all of this stuff. Shout out to Miss Trinello. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, him him and Jasmine was way smarter than me. And they weren't in honors. They weren't taking AP classes. But that was just like every single black body that was in that school. The people in honors was really, some of them was really smart, but most of us. Stupid as hell. (laughs) Dumb. And 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 I'm going to be real with you. And that's why I said most of us, because I didn't deserve to be in it. I still have some really big issues with grammar. Shout out to Grammarly. Shout out but to Grammarly. Like, I need the sponsorship. <laughs> I need that. Compton writes way better than I do. Hmm. I, I have him look at my essays like, does this look right? Hmm. He's like, where's your period? Where's your comma? That's a this. That. I'm like, wow, I don't even remember. Learning. And I was in honors. Hmm. So when we talk about anti-blackness and we look at the numbers of the people who are in honors, who are in IB. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Curtis High School. <laughs> Shout out to the Africans in there. There's a lot of Africans in there. There's a lot of Africans in there, but everyone else is, yeah, they outside. Who, who is in honors in all of these other spaces? Is it the athletes? Who, who can be equally as, who are equally as smart? And who has the, who has the potential to, to, to perform in these spaces if given the opportunity and what? Access. And that's the main thing, access. So you're telling me, I'm getting 75s. You're getting 75s. Your 75s was 90? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was doing real good. Might have even been an Arista at that point. Man, <laughs> shout out to all the Arista alum. If you outside, we outside with you. That's crazy. I'll, shout out to Arista. Wow. I was an Arista. That's crazy. So it really makes you think. And then when we get whitewashed through our history... The civil rights are only they only took what a day and a half on it. <laughs> Not even a day and a half. They told that I really thought Rosa Parks was like seventy years old and really was tired and she had to sit down. And she just did not want to get up that she day. She just didn't want to get up, but didn't know that she was actually in her forties and it was the NAACP who put her where she was at. And before her it was a teenage pregnant look, but you don't know. They don't teach real blackness and cause even like I saw we spoke about earlier, we spoke about Martin Luther King. They really think that Martin Luther King got assassinated and a lot of people don't even know that he got assassinated and by the by the United States government. They shot at somebody shot at him. Then after they shot at him, he lived through that, but while he was in the hospital, he, he got was suffocated. suffocated. How how we all know that? Well, also, I would like to say shout out to VSU because I went to HBCU. Man, and <laughs> that freshman year, they taught me things that I was like mind blown. Not to mention going back to the education education system. Um, when I went to the college office mm. and I said to her, I only want to apply to HBCUs. They look at you she crazy. Said, look at you crazy. She said, this is such a diverse... I remember it like it was yesterday. This is such a diverse school. Why would you want to go to a school where there's only black people? They look at HBCUs as if the standard isn't up to par with any other institution. But it's, it's, or, it's, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. But it's crazy that... 
they look at you crazy and say, why would you only want to go to school? With you? With, with, with black people, but they don't want to live in these neighborhoods where they teach. They, they, they want to live amongst themselves on the South Shore. Mm. So me learning with my people is different from you living with yours. Like, but but even a step further, when uh, all of our black brothers was going to Tonville, who was living in West Brighton projects, Manus Harbor projects, Stapleton projects, Park Hill, um, the the school was like, whoa! Not even the school. The parents was like, how could they come from way over there and take my son's spot? But <laughs> when they're winning on these football fields and these basketball courts and these soccer fields. They're superstars. But are they really valuing our black bodies? Of course not. At the end of the day, as long as we win, like, as long as we, like, people don't understand, you know what, what the LeBrons in the world get paid to do? Entertain white people. But I feel like that's all we have, you know, that's all we really do is entertain and tap dance for white people. Um... And I'm going to call it out. Highlighted. It's highlighted. And I'm going to call it out a little bit. When I did the march on South, on the South Shore, it was, it was great. But then something started to happen. We started jumping double dutch. And we started getting light. And it's like, oh, we're showing white people that our culture is still alive. They know our culture is still alive because they're stealing it. And they commodify it. So now it's like, oh, the remember when those black girls was jumping double dutch? Let's do that. How do we make money off of that? How can we do? Th- how can we turn that into a real sport with PSAL? And uh, and Tottenville is the one to start it. Uh, there's a lot of black men, black young men at Tottenville, but where are the black young women at Tottenville? And the black young women at Tottenville. A lot of them don't really be from where we from. Mm. They they kind of stay over there, grew up over there, play over there. Shout out to Candace. Lay I over love there. you, baby. <laughs> like, you feel me? Like, it, it's kind of like, are you really from the cloth? And see, for me, I don't, I don't want to even come off and sound like I'm anti-black because, like I always say, there's not a monolith to blackness. Yes, I believe that struggle has played a huge part in us defining ourselves because we've had to overcome struggle consistently, but I, I wouldn't say that struggle's who we are. No, you it's know? not. And that's my issue also when, I, when it comes to us sometimes defining blackness. It's like the struggle and overcoming the struggle. Is that really what we always have to be? In order to be black, because I'm a black man, it's just I, I'm from my, my, I'm a different pit stop. Because mm-hmm. we, at the end of the day, we're both, we're both we're all sitting here speaking on experiences that we all could resonate with. Whether I'm African or you're Jamaican or Caribbean or you was raised in the South and moved, we are all black in these spaces. Thank you for saying Caribbean, not West Indian. Thank you. You know what I mean? I got <laughs> I got to big up all of them. You feel me? Shout out to the Zoe. Shout out to my Jamaican. Shout out to everybody. School, school. <laughs> but it's like it's like we as a people need to realize that it's anti-black to think that there's a one blackness yep because that's what those folks on the other side do they think of white as a one monolithic concept monolithic, yep when in reality we are nuanced people and what's the first thing I said I said privilege is realizing living a world living a life with a perspective that's nuanced without nuances we are a nuanced people like 
your blackness might be in your hair today and my blackness might be in the fact that I'm going to go home, eat some rasa pasta, and then probably have a side of jollof rice. Yep. Knowing that that's all different sorts all of blackness. Different. Because he teaches in the DOE in New York City, their perspective of blacks is public assistance, uh-huh. crime ridden, um, parents don't care because the kids say, you can call my mom, she ain't going to pick up, she don't care, mm-hmm. I don't care. But public assistance... More white people on it. Yep. Then you have, like, it's it's just it's just, it's just so much. They don't believe in double standard. No, and you know what? I would have to. Sorry, sorry. Um, I do have to say, like, I was one of those people where I was like, oh, black people, we only this one way, right? And then I went to VSU, and I was like. This mm. is different. Mm. Talk and, about it. And then a few years later, I went to Houston, and then I was like, whoa, this is really different. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I'm sitting in my cousin's mansion in the number one best place to live in the United States, and I'm like, how? All her friends is driving Porsches and BMWs and Range Rovers and living in mansions. My little cousin got a Lexus at 16. You know what I got at 16? A bus token. A metro card. <laughs> <laughs> we all knew it. That's how you get the green. You get the green metro card from the school. So it's really something when we see what we think is reality and what is our truth mm-hmm. because we see this all the time and then you know me being over in the south shore protesting i'm like i can actually see why i don't i mean i can see why some of these people who live over here believe the things that they believe cuz this is euphoria you can you got to go real far out of timeville to get to the projects if if you drive on Arthur Kill Road off the exit five mm. on the four forty, you on Arthur Kill make that left, past those fields of the football play where playing soccer or football, or if you go, um, it's um the strip club was over there too, Arthur Kill, yep, right? Yep, even, yep. Even, even, even past yep. that, or when Arthur Kill facility was open. Even Once you pass that, mm-hmm. there's no more black people. And you can see, like, these white people, they don't have no care in the world. They don't care for the cause. They don't care that, it's not you know, reality. When, when they see cops, in their mind, they see safety. They see, you know... My cousin. Mm, my neighbor. Yeah, like, we're good. Like, this is a good community. But when we see cops, like, oh, damn. Oh, who who they here for? Mm-hmm. What they about to do. But those are the ones who are teaching in our North Shore schools that are predominantly um, black and Latinx. And these are the ones who are posting that they love Goya on their Facebook page. But they food always on season. I'm confused. <laughs> Look, they just restocked, right? They just restocked. How much Goya do you need? They didn't even know Goya existed. I went to Western Beef today, and that <laughs> Goya section was stocked. Like, not one it was stocked to the T. Not one thing bought out of place. The shelves was packed. So over here, you know, we're doing our part, but it's, it's, it's bigger than over here. It has to reach the, the South Shore. And that's like, the thing too. It, it don't reach over there, like, cause, like you said, they don't care. Like, it's. But even it's in the stuff. South Shore, we need our black teachers to be over there also, because it's one thing we definitely need to see these teachers. But our 
our whites need to also see us and see that we are just not that stigma. Man, listen. And that was the, the craziest thing that when I worked in Brooklyn, because I was like, I was telling my coworker, I was like, I really don't know if I want to go back to Staten Island. I love, you know, I love Brooklyn. I love the dynamics of Brooklyn. Um, didn't really care for my principal. I know she ain't listening to this, but look. Um, but I was saying that she was like, no, you need to be in those different spaces because they need to see something different. Mm. All they show is either you ratchet, either you in the hood. Got they, right. I don't gotta pay for. They not seeing water. that. They not seeing black teachers. What is that? Hmm. We don't even have those over here, so we can proudly say make America great again. We can proudly say blue lives matter. We because we don't have to experience what's going on on the North Shore. But then when those South Shore teachers come over to the North Shore because you know you get loan assistance. They they excuse your loans when you teach at Title 1 schools. Hmm. You get paid a little bit more cuz you at Title 1 schools. Hmm. So of course I'm going to go work at the 18 for a little bit. I'm a little I'm a little racist. But I'm going to go teach at 18 for a bit. I need to redo my pool. So let me get a little extra money to help my <laughs> right. house with that. Let me, let me help. Let me, let me maybe work UAU a little bit. Mm. Shout out to UAU because that was what really made me become a teacher. I love. I still work for UAU now. Um, and I did a lot of recruitment and making sure that we have more black and brown instructors and educators who are in UAU. Because even though on Staten Island, they might not be seeing this, hmm. they need to see it in UAU when they're learning life skills. I mean, I'll take it a step further. They need to see it in UAU because UAU basically, between them and JCC, have monopolized getting grants. If you want to talk about see, Talk man, about it, though. I mean, I... I Talk about it though I mean let's, it's, It goes back to what we've been talking about Commodifying black bodies But that's all they do Because they know That if I use this black body These black bodies These black systems These black neighborhoods That we redlined And we ran away from hmm. You know It's so much more When we talk about curriculum In Texas right Because I love Texas They talk about Texas history <laughs> that is what they talk about. They talk about Juneteenth. Galveston, they talk Texas. about all of that. And here we are on Staten Island, and we have Sandy Ground. Mm-hmm. We have all of the black nurses who came over to to Staten Island. For to, tuberculosis. Uh, look, I ain't educating for free. I'm teaching at CSI Psychology of <laughs> <or> Racism <laughs> and Race. But look, shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> Love it. But there is so much more that of that history that Staten Island holds that we don't even get a glimpse of. And it's like, if we are able to teach our youth these things, we will not, we will no longer see, I mean, it might be slow, but that athlete who is the top athlete who might have came from West Brighton Projects, he's up at Duke. Well, football didn't work out for him, but guess what he's doing? He's a phys- he's a physical therapist. He can open his eyes to something else. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so, so all right, I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. Let, let me say, all right. So, do you think that because not so much as a lack of role models in a black community, but that... 
even say that it's a lack, really, though. But, but let me say this. What about blacks on supporting blacks and black businesses? Do you think that, you know... I think that's an entirely different entity, though. Why, 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 why you say that? I mean... You sound like those people who talk about black on black crime. When we no, talk no, no, about no, black no, 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 no. It's not that, but it's just that when we implement black history into the schools, right? So we talk about Mr. Garrett who made this the um the, the street light that mm-hmm. these. I taught my kindergartners that mm-hmm. last year. They talk about Mr. <laughs> they talk about Mr. Howard who was a part of the um the Edison Twelve who actually invented the um assembly that made the light bulb that made it go on and. You know, so we talk about the history. This is decades, centuries ago. But we're not talking about the mom and pop store on South and Richmond Terrace that, you know, feeds the community. Shout out to Peace International Market. (laughs) 3240 Richard Terrace, Staten Island, the only black old woman on Delhi on Staten Island by my mom. If you know the vibes, you're going to see me there. Mm -hmm. You're going to see me there. We don't talk about. The only funeral home on Staten Island that... Shout out to the Stratfords. <laughs> well, we don't talk about Brothers Care. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about, you know, the, the actual people in the community that give back to the community. But when we get a little bit of money as black people, we run and go to the other. We go on the other side, you know. I think, and I understand exactly what you're talking about. I think that there is a trauma that we as a people intern it's kind of like my, 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 my one thing i learned at gremlin is you keep family business in the house and that is some family business that we as a people have to deal with indoors not on facebook mm-hmm. not on twitter not in these streets but in the house because there is without a doubt a trauma that has been so deeply ingrained within us that makes us not respect us and that's the facts because I, I mean, I'm on so many black owned business groups on Facebook and it's like, oh, these people who, who work at the restaurant, they have attitudes. Why black owned businesses always got to be like this? And I'm like, yo, I go to burrito bar and get good old racism <laughs> and, and I still go back and, and I still went back and I was making sure I was there every Friday. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tiara because we stand by you. But mm. we use all the Gucci. We be spending racks on racks on racks in Gucci, but they was doing blackface. Mm-hmm. Burberry too. Mm-hmm. But we don't say much. But as soon as, soon as poor Mister Whoever who owns the the black owned business, we like he was. The people was terrible and the chicken is salty. Oh, well, the price is too high. He, 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 the, other, the Arabs go, yo, listen. But the Arabs don't got to do what we got to do to make sure they even open up. And they're not going to support our, our communities the way that we want them. And we need them to, to support our communities. See, but I was just saying, I, I was touch bases on that because, you know, instead of these kids having to put their bodies on the line and the athlete and being an athlete and, you know, going to trying to go to these big schools and find their way in athletics. You know, if they see something homegrown right here in Staten Island professional, like I play for the Hurricanes, you know, shout out Coach Jay, Coach Bali, Coach Drew. Oh, his birthday is this weekend. So happy birthday, Coach Jay. Mm-hmm. Big Coach Aaron, you know, Coach Trout. Like it's all these coaches that made me want to probably be educator or an attorney 
or a doctor. Like these are black men who show me like, you know, beyond this field, there's more than just playing football. Go to school, get your education, fall back on, cause they the ones that told me that the numbers get smaller and smaller every level you go to. And the NFL is not likely for all of you guys. So what you gonna do? Can't play football your whole life. So what I'm saying is if, you know, we can teach black history and black empowerment, but as black people, we got to support our black owned businesses when they're in our face. So these kids can see that there are people like me doing something and they don't have to just be athletes. They don't have to just be musicians. You know, they can be, you know, the next franchisee of O'Keefe or they can go to school be a lawyer they can be doctors because we got a lot of people we went to school with that are in medical school right now that from Port Richmond so let's let's talk about it because I think this this is a great place to take this conversation where are the young black professionals on Staten Island and what do they look like because being I, I like I said the reason I really want to speak with you both is because I look at you guys both as and you both I don't want to say you guys I don't want to generalize but I look at this beautiful black woman this beautiful black man as young black professionals doing work outside in spaces that are dominated by not them and I feel like you guys you both excuse me carry yourselves like professionals but that's not the reality in a lot of spaces. It's not, especially on Staten Island, because I feel like if you go to a Brooklyn, there's a black pop, there's a black professional space everywhere. Every single man, what, I could have found, I could have, bro, no disrespect, not you could have, you you can't find a Nigel, but you could have found someone like you could find like seven <laughs> different Nigels in different spaces be, in different ways because there's so many black professional people. Like Nigel was saying, she worked with. It was like a, a family setting working in schools. So it's like these kids, they see that, oh, shit. These are teachers that look like me. These are principals, these are APs, you know, the people that I knew from my project, you know. I grew up here. I know them. They always come to the to the block party, so I know that they from here. So, shit, I can probably be like them. And there's a standard. Yeah, they, there they is a, there's a, a greater standard um outside of Staten Island than there is in Staten Island mm-hmm. because I think aside from the racist teachers that we have we have that white savior complex who also occupies our schools where they feel like they need to come in swoop in and save us in any way possible that they need to, mm-hmm. but never really instill anything <laughs> worth anything. Like, I'm gonna be the white saviorist and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna save you. Yeah. Now what? Well, I'm just saving you. But I'm you, saying that you could do it. <laughs> That's you, it. You but, can do it. But, 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 <laughs> can you, do, could that person? do it if they were in your position and and, and that's at this point that that's something else i've also taken consideration it's like I, I i spoke to some some black women who are educators and they they tell us that they, they i always hear this all the time where's the black men where's the black men defending black women i speak to my cousins my empire shout out to my empire we did the episodes niggas ain't shit and this is why because they're like, yo. That was a good one. Good job, guys. That was really you. good podcast. Part two coming to it. It went to like two hours. And they spoke about like, yo, why is it that whenever something goes on, who holds other black men accountable outside of black women? That's Nobody. basically the question. And 
the issue I, I the issue I have with this not that black men don't hold other black men accountable is that sometimes black men it's this whole mentality you can't teach another black you can't teach a dog how to bark and also it's the other it's the, it's the perspective of when do I jump in why do I jump in and what's really going on because I could see two people arguing and I jump in and now all of a sudden I'm in a situation that I shouldn't have been in because there's two people arguing and that's what they do so it's and with black men what I also and this is not me like trying to double down because I think I'm still going to defend but it's like yo I don't know I, if I jump in to something it's only two ways this can go it's either going up there or we both going back up <laughs> so I understand exactly like when it comes to our black women I do agree I do believe that when it's time for us to show we sometimes don't but I think it's even way and me and Compton had this conversation yeah. numerous times I think that it's way deeper than that I think it because I'm a psych uh, I have a psych degree it goes back to the parents um, specifically the mothers when we look at mothers of black girls and mothers of black boys mm-hmm. it's such a disparity black, black girls the mothers is like all right, you're independent. You gotta be. You got. You gotta bring back home all the bacon. You gotta go and be get your doctorate. If you get it, that's the highest. Then you gotta get that. Anything else, we're not gonna even acknowledge. They kick us out once we hit eighteen. We fight with them. All of these things, but then when it comes to black boys and their moms it's like wow you're amazing you're great being average you you wow you were you were all you can be and you got an associate's degree you don't gotta keep going further you just stop right there not verbatim but that's what it's like and and i even asked a question on facebook i said um are, I don't remember what I said because I had too much to drink. But <laughs> I know I mentioned, um, do we get applause? Do we lack applause and, and men get all of it? Yeah, I, I remember that post. And, I, and I, I was like, it depends on who's applauding. But it was more so like, do men get applauded for being mediocre for being mediocre yes. and do black women for for the same things that black women are exceptional in? So if a black they woman can't is even 100, get a hundred clap and, can't, and I said it depends on who's pl- who's applauding and what space you're in. Because I'm not gonna lie, I'll be very transparent. I do believe that in my family the women have worked tremendously hard to keep the family together. And I do believe that there's things that I do that lack now. But I do believe when everything is said and done, we're going to be where we need to be. Because in order for the family to be what it needs to be, I have to become the man I need to become. But how do you become that man that you need to become? It's a process. And I think the difference is like women can't... You could, you could love a man. You could teach a man how to be the best man to love a woman. But they can't teach a man how to be a man. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's patriarchy. No, that's, but it's but true. it's true. Because at the end of the day, everybody in my neighborhood knows that if someone if a man disrespects my mother, I'm coming to see them. <laughs> and if I have to come see them, 
it's life or death for the both of us. Mm-hmm. You apologize when get physical. Exactly. And at, at what point, like I said, it comes back to what we've been saying. At what point do we have to make that decision? Because when we make that decision, there's no, sec- there's no stepping back on it. There's mm-hmm. no doubling down. It's one of us, is, and that's just what it is. I feel like and the difference is with women, they can talk about it, they can yell about it, they can scream about it, but they don't gotta get physical. And if it gets physical, it can be broken up. If it gets physical, it ain't gonna be, it could just end there. And, but I will say this, that's not an excuse. I do believe men gotta step up, especially as black men, when it comes to our black women, we have to step up. I, I'm not, I don't disagree with that at all. I feel like there just needs to be something that needs to be done so that we all can be on the same page. I feel like we hear more niggas ain't shit than I love you. We hear more, oh, I'm going to date my white man who's going to pay for me and or I'm with this man because he has a bag. Then. But. And I'm not saying, wait, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be with somebody who has resources to provide for you. I'm not saying you don't deserve what you deserve. I'm saying that if you're going to use that as a reason why you're pursuing somebody, don't get mad when that's the reason why men move how they move towards you. No. See, now we're moving into somewhere else. But no, I don't think that that's fair at all because in the same exact breath that y'all breathe... Right after you say that, after we say, oh, we're going to go get a white man. Remember, we were only going to get a white man because we were done dirty by this black man who we held down and was continuously dogged, who didn't value us, who was trying to holler at all of our friends, who was doing every single thing. Don't look at him. He did that. But you was just generalizing. But I will say this though, for as a black man who does what he needs to do, that might be slightly opinionated. I am not the prototypical type of man that a lot of black women want. Let's just call it what it is. I don't look like Trey Song. I'm handsome. I ain't sexy. I told you that's too much pressure. <laughs> but in terms, Cletus is single, y'all. I mean, these streets is doodle. I ain't even going outside. <laughs> but let's call it what it is. A lot of black women don't want a good black man either. And if they do, they want him for what he can provide, but not for who he is. And that's where my issues also lie. I know a lot of great black men, but they're not the prototypical black men that every girl would want. Not because they're not handsome in their own rights. It's because they're not sexy. They're not Trey. They're not Chris. And they don't treat you like the way that you want to be treated. And that's a mixture between abusive and respected. No. I have to. I have to. I just. I I just think that that nah, is. brother, it's everywhere. You go to Louisiana, they want to do that's gonna die behind them. They don't want to do that's gonna be super nice and sweet. They want to. Yo, you going They want NBA young boy. They want him. They want a guy that's gonna. But even the educated ones. I mean, even the edu- This is the thing with educated. With educated ones will love a black man in due time that's on that level, but will sleep with a man who's not. But how do we okay, so even going back, we're going we're going back to the education system. How do we find a man that is on our level? And this is what I like. You the go. So if we continuously have a school system that allows mediocre black men to get through the system because they know how to throw or dribble a ball, 
But then they're telling us, mm, your name is Shaquanda. We can't do much with you. So now it's like we have to be exceptional. We have to do better. This goes to the question I've asked. What makes somebody what what is what does a young black professional look like? Because I feel like if we're able to and I don't want to even put that in a box, but I would like to say that there should be a standard in which it looks especially on Staten Island. If we got all the young black professionals together, I feel <laughs> this place will be a movie. Not just because of the resources that we can pull together in terms of like monetary. I'm saying in terms of just the energy in which that we can revive and rejuvenate this borough. Because that's the issue. You go to Brooklyn, Brooklyn has a huge young professional space. They have a huge amount of young professionals that have their nine to five hustle and they have their vice president positions, but they the same people that will be at the clubs behind the bar. They, it's not some shorty who all she has is her looks and her booty implants and four kids. That That's how she makes her live. No, it's going to be, yo, oh, you the bartender? What do you do outside of this? Like, why are you here? Oh, I also am the vice president of a bank. This is, you have your nine to five and you have your side hustle. We don't have that here. The problem is the people who make the most noise aren't the people that's really in the best positions. People that make the most noise and people are in the best positions. Uh, they're not in the best positions. And I feel that. And because also I feel like a lot of the people who are in better positions are legit busy trying to advance themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't have the luxury of being able to still be outside. They don't they don't resonate with a lot of people that are still living and moving in certain situations that you've already evolved from. Uh I uh, let, let me ask you this. Talk to me. You learn how to talk from who? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say my parents. Okay, you learn how to walk. You, so everything you learn how to do, foundation from your parents, right? I would say it came from my parents and the experiences I've shared with the people in leadership positions. Okay. But before the leadership position, people you Parents met, and friends. Parents, okay. So, true or false? Most professionals on Staten Island um, come from families from Brooklyn, Queens, or even the South. And they come up here and they work for the city, work for corporate America, and their parents are professionals in their own way. Don't really have to struggle with anything, but they provide better lives for their children. I would say, I don't know if that's fact or not. I can't say true or false to it, but I would say from the people I've known, mm. the, the professionals I know, a lot of them aren't from Staten Island. Or if the they... The parents. Uh, uh, oh, 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 let me say this. Your circle. Their parents would more be like... Africans, Caribbeans, and the black people that are from here, they are exceptional. So you so, might be onto something. They, so, they might not be... Specifically from this borough, working from the history of this borough, advancing through this borough because of their twelve ancestor generation mm-hmm. of Staten Islanders. No, I don't. I don't know a lot of people like that. So, so the reason why I actually you know what you get from your parents is because on Staten Island, we as black people on the North Shore live better than other black people in other boroughs, mm-hmm. and. Our parents that's born in the 60s, early 70s, you know, they kind of play it safe. You know, work hard, work hard, work hard, save your money. Don't spend it. You know, just keep working hard, 
Keep your head down. Keep your chin tucked. Don't take risks. Just save, save, save. And that's the mentality that us on Staten Island, like how you said, if we're professional, we're too busy to make any noise. And if we're making noise, we're not professional because we're not busy. So we're just making noise. Whereas in Brooklyn, you have these parents who are still trying to find their way. You know, so they have the hustle mentality that they instill in their children, even in the Bronx and Queens. So I just think the demographic makeup of the parents of Staten Island, of like our parents, it's more of a play it safe, you know, it's overward, less risk. Whereas that's why I'm saying in Brooklyn, you know, what you find in Brooklyn, you find that person who may come from LG or Marcy and all they know is hustle, hustle, hustle. And then it's like, yo, I'm working nine to five, but I still got to make this money. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live in the peas anymore. Or I don't want to live the way I'm living. Not everybody living in the peas, but I'm saying you don't want to live the way you're living. Whereas in Staten Island, a lot of blacks, you know, are, are kind of established. You we, know? We, even if you're not living immaculately, at least, you're you know, you have a house. You have your own space. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about finding parking for the most part unless you really live in. The spaces ain't no parking But even out here I pulled up on y'all mm-hmm. I found parking right down, right around the way I was like Alright cool I walked out I said I'm outside By the time you was outside I was outside too yeah. <laughs> I'm saying So I, I, I just think it's, it's the makeup of You know A lot of families Move to Staten Island For that comfort mm-hmm. And you know Cause they can make A little more And they have the ability To you know Have a better upbringing For their children So I just think that The reason why We may not have that space As of now the reason why it's not create, created as of now is because, you know, from what we learned from our parents is play it safe. And I think that that's 100 percent true. Um, you know, I always played it. safe. Um, did I always play it safe? I don't know. Mm, no, but you, you you followed your path like you could have went. You could have had like six kids by now. No. I, and right? I'm not saying like you was outside. <laughs> I'm saying from the way that like the trajectory of a lot of women from our cloth, like. They, 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 they was playing how they played, and they got into situations I felt that were a little premature. And I'm not saying that kids downgrade your 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 stock, but I would say that it slows your progressions down, especially when that's not what you planned. I think that that's a hundred percent true. And I asked you, was I playing it safe? Because I mean. I've always had these different these these ideas, these mindsets, but I really until I met Naya. Shout out to Naya Harper. Um, okay, Howard alum. Um, until we really became friends, I learned that my silence is a huge weapon, and we talk hmm. about oh, in Staten Island, we just kind of. Mm, we just sit in the background and that's kind of why everybody takes advantage of us right that's why we get to maneuver the through these schools and we don't even realize the the racism and the bias and the anti-blackness that we experience because we're always taught just get through just do what you have to do and get out that's the number one goal keep your head up that's it. Just keep going. Just keep going, and don't don't even realize what people are trying to tell you or what people are trying to say. So, like, yeah, maybe we do have a little bit of "Make America Great Again" banner in in the school, but why even turn up the noise? You can get through anyway. You yeah. 
You got a black principal where everybody fighting her, but you almost through, so just get through. Mm -hmm. But until I really met Naya and we started having these conversations that at very first was super uncomfortable, and I was like, ooh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But until we started having those conversations and realizing... Ooh, the school system is oppression. Mm-hmm. Staten Island is oppression. And we can't just sit back and say, oh, we just going to let it go by. We have to keep striving through and we have to start calling out all of the disparities that we face. That is when I actually became awake and alive and realize as an educator, I just can't push through like how many people who live on Staten Island or many families who come from outer boroughs and come to Staten Island tell us we have to continually to push through. But how can we push through on a system that continues to oppress not just us, but the generations to come? So so we say, are those black professionals on Staten Island the one that just pushed through hmm. and got through because of their privilege? I mean, that's a conversation we could definitely have. I mean, I know we at the 130 mark and I'm blessed because, <laughs> listen, I ain't gonna lie. I need this conversation as much as I think that our listeners need this conversation. I try to tell people that talking cheap is the, real, the world's realest GOAT conversations that are happening. Um, I would say that we have been blessed with privileges, but I think that with every privilege comes some kind of downfall. And I think that privilege only is real depending if you recognize it as a privilege. Um, and I also would say that privilege, privilege from a black person, I don't feel is privilege. But it's why? only wait, wait. It's only privilege because we know that the bar has been set at a certain place, so that anything that we get above that is given to it should be a you should be grateful for. When in reality, a lot of this stuff that we should be grateful for is everyone's inalienable rights. So for me, it's like I get it. It's privilege. But when I was outside with you, I was outside with you. But when I was inside handling my business, I was inside because I had to. It ain't if. If I didn't have to be inside, I'd be with you. <laughs> but I had to be inside, cause my me having a good mother is that a privilege? That I was was I was I blessed with a good mother? Was 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 there anything I did to have a good mother? I think that it is privilege, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I thought that my mom was rough on me. I thought she was just throwing me into programs because it looked good. Like, oh, you're gonna join the Correction Explorers. And, and to be quite frank, there's people who would have still the same way you felt that your mom was rough on you. I felt my mom. My mom locked me in the bathroom once when I had a. I, I'm an Aries with an anger problem. I'm an Aries boy. What an anger prop. I was angry you. She locked me in the bathroom. Is that privilege? I mean, I wouldn't. That's rough. You feel me? Is that but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I feel like we, we, we look at people's successes as it's being a privilege. I'm not saying that, especially as a black man, like yo, I ain't gonna lie. 
White people, that's a privilege. I'm oh, sorry. No, white privilege that's a privilege is real. Because at the end of the day, you know why? It's, it's only based on complexion. And that's why I always big up complexion protection. Because, listen, you you could be a white bad person and still make your father. White people that are poor, stupid, with no talent, will still have the audacity to feel that they have more opportunity and self-respect than a black person who has everything that 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 they don't have. And then they also okay. go, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just saying, you know, when the Polish, the Russians, and the Italians, when they first came over here, they were seen as, you know, they were just like us. They were I, niggas. They were niggas, exactly. But what happened? Their complexion... Because look, uh, listen. Because look, look, look. All right, you see me walking down the street. Uh huh. You already tell I'm. I'm you black. a black man? You not you're educated? No, 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 you no, 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 Albania, what the fuck is that? He might, have the, brick, like, he might have the brick head, mm-hmm. but that don't mean he not white. He could be white. Right. He's white. He's white. And then, like a lot of people, like let me say, like um, earlier, you were saying with the unity with the um, black community should be like the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Jewish people look white to me. They look white. They also don't pay taxes. Now look, due to their religion. They look white to me though. That's all that matters to me. I, I know. Don't know, look, I don't I know the tax statement business. Look, look, look. But that's they, another. That's another. They, they don't know, look but, white to me. But but but, but I, I would just. I'm trying to touch the bases on you know. To be unified, we have to have fi- finances. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we got to know taxes too, though. We got to know the system and the system. See, I try to tell folk. All right, I'll ask you this question because I feel like this is a repu- This is just refutable. Talk ain't cheap, underhanded, you know the vibes things, right? What's the number one religion in America? Christianity. Well, yeah, yeah, Christianity. Christianity. Capitalism. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you could be a Christian, you could be a Muslim, all that. But then they what you you go to work for what? Yeah, money. Capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah, profit. That's all it is. So the church is a church is capitalism. I, I pay my tithe. <laughs> They say when a man robs God in tithes and offerings. I ain't go. I just started thinking about it. I, I ain't gonna lie. I don't pay, pay, but you know, I, I try to throw my little two dollars in there. You know what I mean? If you I can't get out, that's all you have. <laughs> I ain't gonna say that's ten percent, but you know, that's what it's, I can do. It. It's, that's ten percent. That's ten percent of what I got at the moment. Listen, the plans that God has for you has not come yet in order for you to give more than the Come $2. on, no. I might as well build my own church. And that's how I can really tie. Hey, you feel me? Shout out to Inc. Man. <laughs> Shout out to that queen. We're going to get on the pod very soon. I had Liz on the pod. So if I could get Liz on the pod, I could definitely get Inc. And I'm about to get Shaniqua on that pod. Too. Oh, you got to get Shout Lewis. out to Shaniqua. Miss Shoot Lewis. The God. Shout out to Shaniqua. Me and Sh- this probably not gonna make the cut, but me cut. and Shaniqua, we used to ride. She used to go to VUU and I used to go to VSU together, and we used to wow. ride together back to New York. And we used to be like, "What? What do you think we'll be doing in five years?" Hmm. That's a different woman. She been different though. I said, I said, well, hopefully I don't be up on this bus in five years, but. 
she got a book she amazing she been like that though i knew she was gonna be like that when she hit that 1000 i she said oh like she that. she's good different. Mm-hmm. all right i know y'all talking about something different but just to touch back you know kind of like well, just come back cut it. He's a i'm putting this out there regardless all right all right i remember you was asking you know um i think naji was saying that somehow you know how to find, you know, a, a good black man or a mediocre man, you know, how to get away from a, a mediocre black What's man. What's the standard? What's, That's basically what we're trying to figure out. Standard? What is the standard? I thought I was a standard being associates, you know, joining the military or working a regular city job. And when I talking about Nigel, when she put that work and that effort and that pain in order to tell me, like, yo, son, associates ain't shit. Don't be, I'm a hot girl. Don't be messing up. No, no, no. You could be a hot girl. Listen, you can be a hot girl. Honestly, honestly, I was always, I was always a black man, but I understand me being a king until I met Nigel. And she didn't, you know, elevate my mind. She couldn't, she was already elevated. She was already woke. But even if we wasn't together, she still saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I feel that, you know, black women to have strong black men with them, you don't have to be with them. But in order to, you know, rise up that arm, you have to kind of put in that pain and put in that time to show these kings that they are kings and that their home is with us. But I will say this. I'll add to that because I, I feel you. That's why I'm, I don't even be outside like that. I I ain't, I ain't going to say I can't be really out here just dipping and dabbling, tasting everything that the rainbow has to offer. We, we seen your posts asking for the women. I'm just saying that <laughs> what elevated you wasn't shorty A, B, and C. It took a queen to raise a king's crown. And I've seen that. I've seen that in my household from my mother raising my crown as well as trying to raise my father's crown and him being blinded by that. But I also seen that from what I want for myself. And the problem I also feel, and I agree with you all the way through, I think that some women think they're queens and they're just not. And I'm not saying that they don't, they don't have those qualities it's just they themselves is not further along in their process. And because they're not further along in their process, it is not their job to do that work just yet. And because some of them do that work prematurely, they got six kids, bad situations, and men that's just not ready to love them the way they deserve to be loved. And then they hit us with the NAS. If you know, you know. And I sit back and listen. I'm like, hmm. Is it NAS or were you trying to do God's work that you weren't meant to do? I got a point there. So, you got to meet people where they at. And you got to be able to understand where you got to go. Mm-hmm. And what you what your standard is going to be. And that's what I've always said. Like The day that Staten Island's young black professionals come together and recognize the standard of what it takes. Just because you work where you work, that don't mean you're a black professional. Because I'm going to be real with you. $25 an hour to me is an insult. I'm gonna keep it a stack Cause the knowledge I don't even need a job I'm at the point that I'm like I don't Fuck a job Fuck a job Fuck a job I'll do it Cause I, I'm trying to I'm trying to elevate But fuck a job I'll do the work I'll And that's do- exactly How I feel too At the same In the same sense You know People be like Oh Nigel, You want a job With the DOE You can't be as boisterous You gotta relax 
And it's like at the same time, I don't care the job, about this. The, the DOE need a job with you. <laughs> they need to throw a at contract the, at, at the you. same time. If the DOE don't like what, if whatever school don't like what I'm saying, and I don't belong there. Ding ding ding. Because there's no reason why my old district told literally you you guys could search it. District 16 said if there is any teachers who do not believe in Black Lives Matter and then made an explanation. It's one thing to just say, oh, we Black Lives Matter. That's it. And they go. No, they put an explanation. You can go ahead and put your resignation papers. Mm, I need to work And if that. you close to and if you close to retirement, put your retirement papers in. District 16 Bedsty, Bedford Academy. Different. They don't even allow, no offense to you. They don't even allow military to come into their college fairs. I'm already in tune because they love a black body fighting for America that don't fight for black bodies. I joined that fight. <laughs> but you know what, man? Listen, we need one thing. One thing about black men in the military. What I will say is that, listen, I tell people I have friends who are police officers. I have very candid conversations with them that will never air on Talking Cheap podcast out of respect for their profession. No, but, but out of and and that's the thing, you know, that I have to learn also because sometimes I take a lot of my cop friend silence for violence. The new reality is oppression. <laughs> it's oppression. Thank they you. going through it twice as worse. Cause I have friends who are cops that be telling me like, yo, these white motherfuckers pulled up or be trying to shake would be in the park a lot. Same people in uniform. Mad at me because I stepped in when I wasn't that they felt that it wasn't my job to step in when in reality they were overstepping their boundaries and because I stepped in I have to try to fight three white motherfuckers instead of eh, 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 fight them and see them every day and then not get promoted and then get demoted. But then they still try to put on for that. They have to because they have no choice. How you gonna provide for your kids and your shorties? And then that also goes back to education. When we look at you need 60 credits, that's new. You need 60 credits to be a cop. So who are they really targeting when in school they're like, don't you worry, go take up a trade. College isn't for everybody. That's what they were telling the regular kids, but honest kids, they were telling them to go to school. Because you know who's an honest? The white kids. And you know who get the the 60 credits when they go to school and they can fall back on? Because they tell us, take city tests, take city tests. The regular kids, regular black Black and brown kids take city tests. But then when we take it and then we're able to accept the job, do you have the credits? Nah. Nobody told us about school. They told us to take the test. But who have the credits are these white kids that's in honors. And they take these firefighter tests and they're able to get it. Take this police test and they're able to get it. And they're the ones that, you know, oppress the system. And, and the system that's the thing, been, yep. But another thing. We talk about black, black professionals standing on Mm-hmm. Everybody can't be professional Because they're not <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get to They're not They're not What is a professional? And that's where we need to get to. <laughs> How do we determine If because you are a professional? And we can't, put, we can't put college on it Because everyone didn't have access Are we Okay so we're not putting college on it Are we put What are we putting on it? Are Excellence we, 
Excellent. Yes, I used to work. Ex- I know. I, I used to work at Wendy's. I was nice on the grill, but I'm not gonna come to no black professional staff. If, you, if no you're a professional grill master, you better be knowing that, that your position. That is a professional grill master. Your job is to handle all barbecue <laughs> as well as meat preparation and not meat preparation for our vegan professionals. That would be your job, but but you're not gonna have no say on nothing. That's not that. <laughs> Other than that, and I think that's the issue. Too many people speak on things that they don't know and things that they don't understand. Now, me particularly, my I'm education, so I can only speak on education. I can't speak on anything else. Now, I can't speak about nothing else other than education. And I think every single thing that we do stems from education. These black professionals of Staten Island, wherever you are, come forth. And what is young? How young do you need to be? I think anything under 30. Oh, I feel so by you 30. Young, young. I feel like I feel by 30. I'm going to keep it a step cuz this is I feel like anything before 18 is you you're you're trying to get into that space. So I feel like yo, could be keep it a buck me at 18 and me at 26 different beasts. Oh, totally different people. You remember Cletus at 18, 16, 15? <laughs> I remember Cletus with the bow tie. Yeah. I don't even wear them things no more. Cause you know what, and a lot of people don't know this history behind the bow tie. Why I wore it? I went, I, I did a sweet sixteen. I liked it, and I felt like I was getting way more respect and better treatment wearing a bow tie than I was when I was wearing my my jeans and my and my Jordans. But that's that's normal. But why is it now? I could walk away. You see how I came to the crib? You gonna respect me the same? But why did it take that? I think it's like you said. We are conditioned. We have trauma. Because we are always told what is what is right and what is not right. Even from the time when, you know, our parents and grandparents are like, look at what they got on. Unacceptable. And it could be exactly what, you know, jeans, sweatshirt, hat. But we think, oh, that that's hood. Look at him with his sagging jeans. But let Chet wear it. Let Chip and Matthew and, and Lewis wear it. Look, he and got Michael. a polo wrapped around his shoulders. That's perfect. But no, I think that it's all of what we are conditioned. And even going back to school, once again, when they enforced dress codes and they swore we couldn't have hoods, we couldn't have do-rags. But then when you think about who are they really targeting at this Bonds, point? do-rags. White, white people don't need no do right. They got no waves. <laughs> Their waves are different. They, 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 ain't, they ain't got no edges. <laughs> Same thing with Goya. You stocking up for oh. what? But anyway, when you we think about those things. <laughs> I got to get through my neighborhood. I just got to wear this for like three stops and get through this neighborhood. I'll Gucci after I get out of here. But when you think about the whole idea, all of it stems from school. They were sitting there snatching hats off of black children. Do rags. Pull up your pants. Oh, you wearing rockerwear? You wearing baby fat? Oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to wear a Tommy Hilfiger? He said he don't want us wearing his stuff. So white people wear the fittest backwards more than we do. But yeah, we but their hair is different. Sure. Their swag is different. And and, and we are not anti-white. We're talking about white people, but we are not anti-white. It's it's the truth that we've been told for so long that we've seen. Which is fact. 
that is being deemed as you fill in the blanks. But but this is facts because in this podcast, this is the truth. But with that being said, I'm not gonna keep everybody up. We've been here for a minute, an hour and forty seven minutes. Ooh, God bless you. We've been y'all. out for long. We've been time. outside, outside, outside. So. If people want to find you guys, contact you guys, if you want that. If people want to follow you guys, uh, I want to MC the wedding. I think it'd be very lit. Big Duce at the wedding, please. Keep that right. Big <laughs> Duce. don't even have no social media. <laughs> Good. God bless you, King. I'm trying to get to that point. That's a fact. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get this. 20, 2022, 23, 23. I think it's going to come there. Well, you're going to Howard. You might have find you a strong woman. Mm, I found me a queen at Howard. Just know she got six kids on the way. No! He's crazy! He's crazy. So if you want to find me, I'm Nyjah2017 on Instagram. I have nothing but um, advocacy things relating to Black Lives Matter. That is where I'm deep rooted in. I'm more than just marching. I've always been more than just marching. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined the community. What was it that we joined with the NYPD years ago? Community um, Affairs. Mm-hmm. We joined Community Affairs with Detective Rios um, years ago when we realized marching is great but we need to do more mm-hmm. um we are still calling for brianna taylor's killers to be arrested we are still calling for the united states army to recognize vanessa's death we are still calling for daca we're still calling for for eric gardner's killer pantaleo we're coming for you we're going to be opening that case very very soon mm. so when you go on my social media that's all you would fun see. fact i think his partner was the one that created the concept of blue lives matter and i bet you it probably was but you can find me there i'll also be um teaching in the spring at csi the psychology of race and racism as well as the psychology of the black experience so if anybody is interested it is actually going to be a requirement for all psych and education fire congratulations because i said i'm no longer educating for free congratulations (laughs) all lives can't matter black lives don't matter ding 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 wake them up and that's what we're here to do that's powerful congratulations that's big that's big alright well y'all know the face y'all know the name man thank y'all for tuning in if y'all stay to the end y'all know y'all just got a lot of free game that you never gonna get and like I said you're tuned in to talk ain't cheap and it's not that deep it's a vibe